0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed and this is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. How are you today?
2: I've got a bit of a sore
1: throat. Oh, dear. But you
2: know, I'm. You've been going... screaming
1: at people out the window again.
2: Why, why would I do that?
1: I don't know. The builders still there.
2: No, the builders still there, but they've been having some time off because it's Christmas.
1: Oh, that's good of them.
2: And it, yeah, taking them a long time, over a year and a half to build three houses. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about building or to moan about my voice or to pour this coffee in the background. I wonder if I can hear that. I probably can. You can use that for your very own <laughs> you films at two, home. three weeks ago. <laughs> Did I? Yeah, and
1: talked over the whole thing. A lot of the time, I'll just repeat myself on this podcast. Quite all right. In fact, um, I just snip out sections from the past 200 episodes and just construct new ones. You could probably do that, make a better podcast. Yeah, yeah. People could... Prob- they probably have enough syllables of me and you talking now that they could make an AI with one of our voices. Do you think someone's... Make- do you think... <laughs>
2: Someone has been listening to the past 300 episodes, whatever it is. It's
1: getting onto that, it's like 270 or something. And it's
2: slowly making robots of us to come and kill us.
1: Yeah. I mean, it would have <sighs> a no. very extensive vocabulary about bumming for an AI.
2: But the effect on it would have no effect on the repercussions throughout the world.
1: You don't think? No. Okay,
2: fine. Well, for me, especially but do you know what what I went to the cinema good I went to see Silence it's Liam Neeson again isn't it it's odd isn't it how uh, Liam Neeson who is in uh, the voice for Monster Calls
1: and uh, Felicity Jones who was who's also, in Rogue
2: One it's a strange thing where a lot of the same stars were in yeah the well movie it, it was
1: late last year that we the image for our episode was Amy Adams two weeks in a row yeah. For arrival and nocturnal animals. Well... Happens, Li- doesn't it? Liam Neeson's back at it. <laughs> is he? What's he doing this time? Well, is not he not playing really a, main. S- a sad man? Is he a sad dad? Yeah, he's
2: normally sad, isn't he?
1: But uh, this is the
2: story. Let's go way back to the 17th century. All right, Uh Two Jesuit priests go to Japan. All the the... Uh, priests um, bringing Christianity to Japan are being tortured and killed. Right. By the native Japanese because it doesn't fit in with their Buddhist beliefs. Sure.
1: Buddhists are very tortury, aren't they? Yeah. I've heard that.
2: Anyway, two young priests, they uh, hear through a letter that their mentor, uh, a priest called Ferreira, played by Liam Neeson, has apostatized, the word, apost- yeah. which is basically denied J- Jesus or turned his back on. Je- he's become an apostate. Yes, apo- apostatized. Is apost- that the word? Side. Apostatized. Killed an apostate. So he's denied Jesus and then sort of gone back on their religion. And they can't believe this because he's their... Mentor. Yes. So they go to Japan to find him and also bring some... Sort of faith back to uh, the, the Christians in Japan who've been ignored and uh, 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 have no one, have no Padres to have preached to them or whatever. Sure. Uh,
1: They're being religiously oppressed yes. by Buddhists.
2: Meanwhile, several villages, these inquisitors come round and they try and find out who, if people are Christians or practicing Christianity in the village and the people who d- who are practicing it are tortured.
1: Okay. Right. So this hang is on, hang on. Christians. Christians are, yeah. So there's also evil Christians in it as
2: well. No, 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 no. The Christians the the inquisitors torture the Christians. They're oh right. They're, so they're Buddhist Inquisitors. They're trying to stamp out
1: Christianity in Japan. Okay. Nobody expects the Japanese Inquisition.
2: Yes. Exactly. Right.
1: Um
2: <laughs> so this is Martin Scorsese's Two hour and forty one minute
1: long. He loves film, doesn't he? Yeah, he drama, loves long film.
2: Apparently, this is uh, something that's been very close to his heart. It's based on a novel, and he's wanted to do this for years and years, and he's finally made it. The reviews of this video, uh, this uh, film, particularly from that idiot Peter Bradshaw, <laughs> uh, <laughs> your <laughs> right new nemesis, i think. a knob, um, are really favourable. Right. I thought this was one of the most boring films I've seen. Okay. I thought it was just turgid, long. Andrew Garfield and uh, Adam Driver play the two young priests. I think... I'm a really big fan of Adam Driver. Yeah. But his character's not not really more, and even more than two-dimensional. Andrew Garfield, he sort of plays, he's very quiet, very quiet acting. He's very sort of just sincere. The problem is your main protagonist is a really sincere, God-believing, you know, uh, priest. Not very interesting. (laughs) It is not very interesting. I think think that, I have to say that, I've got personal issues with this film. Right. Is that I'm not religious at all. Yes. And one of my pet hates, is people, I, I think anyone can believe what they want, but I'm really against anyone imposing their religious beliefs
1: and this is basically on, a religious battle between yeah, two people. Yeah, this,
2: this is a man who's... Both
1: of whom are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know yeah. if,
2: I mean, I, I, everyone doesn't have to tell their own beliefs, but if you try and argue with a... I've argued with Christians before, and it's like literally saying, someone's saying, oh, well, my imaginary friend made everything, <laughs> and you can't actually argue against him because he knows everything, but I'm going to say everything that he's, that he's said, but no one knows what he actually says. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you, you, everyone adopts their own beliefs. I just, I just, don't, I just don't have any. Um, what's the word?
1: You don't like people attempting to indoctrinate others.
2: Yeah, I do re- realize it's is the 17th century and completely different way of life. But that's. That, it, um,
1: but it's an interesting point you raise. I mean, because it was such a different world yes. where every single person you knew and had ever heard of believed the same thing and then you go to another part of the world and nobody does and it must have blown their minds i mean no wonder this sort of stuff happens you know yeah. the very fabric of how they understand reality is tied into these stories and these beliefs and then they suddenly they uh, they invent sailing ships and go off around the world and they make people who don't agree i yeah. mean it caused an immeasurable suffering around the world this 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 fact and i think the, the, the fun- but why are we supposed to care now okay That's the, the, the thing. fundamental
2: thing about this film like, uh, from my uh, uh, quite ignorant opinion is it's a film about testing one's belief right and the silence is the silence of god and whether this priest can still believe despite all these atrocities oh, i really and, hope he can and things happening but it's long it's. I mean, it, you can't. It's beautiful. It's obviously a lot of money's got into yeah, this. Yeah. Some of the shots are amazing. The scenery is incredible. In and Japan. it is true.
1: Apparently, that is how the Japanese treated Mr. Yeah, a, in that Yeah, it, it's
2: based on a sort of uh, a true story. And uh, but I also think, almost
1: fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
2: that, 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 my problem watch is I just think. Do you know what? Who are these people coming over? It's it reminds me of my my mum on on Christmas Day when I was a, a teenager. And the Jehovah's Witnesses came round and knocked on the door on Christmas Day and my mum went absolutely apeshit at
1: them. How dare you make Christmas about Jesus?
2: But, but just with them trying to sort of impose yeah, their religion yeah, yeah. on another... Oh, uh, and um, even though my mum's not you know religious, she's yeah, so yeah. cross about it. Um, but I just... Uh, so you sort of think, oh, I think I'm with the Japanese here, really, apart from the torturing business. But uh, interestingly enough, I thought the J- Japanese actors were far more charismatic and Uh interesting. Uh, The older guy who played the Inquisitor, um, who I thought was uh, excellent, I can't remember his name, and I I definitely won't pronounce it right, so I just won't won't say it. But I just... It's just boring. Overlong, boring. Andrew Garfield has not got enough charisma to carry the film. he, He just plays this sort of... Slightly fey, boring Padre. Just not interested. Yeah. And the fact this is getting people saying, oh, this is a masterpiece. It's not a masterpiece. Monster Calls is a much better film than this, and much more interesting and much more relevant to everyone. This has just felt like a pet project for Martin Scorsese. I think that because he's done great films in the past, that people... Behave with some sort of reverence towards him. Oh, that's that every, that everything true. he does is genius. I mean, I haven't seen silence, true. so I,
1: can, I can't, I can't come down one way or the other. But the, what you've said there is certainly true. I mean, the fact that. Gangs of New York was nominated for Best Picture yeah that's terrible yeah. when it's a te- it's a shit film there's no two ways about it it's got some good performances in a shit film and and Martin Scorsese seems to have almost a singular position in in society and culture of people worshipping the ground he walks on you yeah know? And, and you know he comes up with some good films and some duff ones yeah like most people
2: <laughs> yeah I, I, I thought this was terrible I'll give it four only just a four on the fact that the Japan Japanese actors were good and the uh the the, the scenery was nice. Right. Well
1: that's nice. Four <laughs> but I just think scene.
2: don't 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 waste your time watching this film. It's really boring and I hope I don't have to watch it again.
1: Yeah. I I, I I'm with you a bit. I don't really get films where it's like well, it's about me preserving that beautiful thing, faith. It's just like, that isn't a MacGuffin. Like, it's just like, what, the positive spin on this story is you blindly carry on believing a thing based on evidence to the contrary. Yeah. Why is that a beautiful story? That's just the that's just story about ignorance. I mean... But also, a big point, it's 2 hours and 41 minutes. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's totally necessary... I did go for a win in what was probably an important bit. Your trousers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, over the screen. This, over the, <laughs> that's the, a really important over the bit. the middle bit of the cinema I mean, screen. that's the
1: most important bit of the screen. Um, um, OK, well, silence. Don't bother. Don't bother by the sounds. It just annoys me when I, I read all these
2: critics giving reviews to uh, uh, films because they seem yeah, to yeah. be too scared to say, that is a, t- a two-star film. Yeah, no. It, it, Peter it's, yeah. Bradshaw <laughs> Idiot
1: <laughs> I, Have you seen I'm just trying to claw it back a bit because it sounds like we're being incredibly mean about people who've been brought up religious I, I don't really care no, one I, way or I the think, other yeah. but um, there is a film called The Mission which I think actually sounds like it does quite a similar subject matter and I remember being very good and that's um, Jeremy Irons and uh, Robert De Niro with a famous, you Eny- Eny- and Liam soundtrack. Neeson, in fact, yeah, yes, Liam a young Liam Neeson yes. plays uh, the what sounds like the Andrew Garfield role in that, and yeah, the soundtrack is beautiful. It might actually be the soundtrack I'm mostly remembering, and the scenery, the scenery and the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack, are soundtrack doing great great the music
2: to the mission is amazing. Though, all yeah, the panpipes, yeah,
1: yeah. that boy in the
2: panpipe phase, but
1: it's about missionaries going to South America. That one, yeah. And I've got no, I mean, this
2: could have been. Uh, there's a in, really interesting story in here. Yes, and I think if it was, if you had a lead who s- had more, I was quite unimpressed with Andrew Garfield in terms of carrying this. Wasn't enough going on. Yeah, there wasn't enough torment. I don't think in he, he just felt the character felt quite
1: bland. Well, the, the tr- I mean, I, again, I've not seen it, but in that period, anyone travelling around the world would have come from a position of near total ignorance about the world and and the world around them and what's going on. And they've been told this uh, doctrine and dogma, and that is it. And they suddenly find themselves in a... And the world would have been a horrendously treacherous and violent place. And these people wouldn't have been like us in any way. Some things are handled
2: well. I mean, the whole... It looks amazing. The whole... You do... I can't. Uh, the DOP did a brilliant job on it. Yeah. Um, but it's just. Do it in an hour and a half. Yeah. Cut an hour and ten minutes of that film. Get someone with a bit more uh, dynamism as the, the, the lead. And. You can just pace it up. up. Boring.
1: Yeah. Well. I think it's time to make things exciting with this. Tops off! Tops Take off! It. Taking our tops off.
2: Put put them back on again. I feel like I've really, I feel like I've really moaned, and I, 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 I don't like listening to people moan, and it's always me. But here's an
1: email, right? This. ...is from Nicola Ray, and it's about old films. She says, David, Marek, and Buddy, Merry Christmas slash Happy New Year. Delete as appropriate. Uh, well, no. Have you ever sat down and started watching a film, believing you'd already seen it, or enough parts of it to know the whole plot, but then realise you've barely seen any of it at all? I did this the other day with Groundhog Day. I thought I'd seen the whole film in pieces over the years. Turns out I'd only ever seen the same 20 minutes at the very start. Maybe my confusion isn't surprising given this film's subject, though. Keep watching the films, Nicola. Um, That's a good question. It is a good question. You know what? Um, I think uh, there's a lot of films that come into this category from uh, the era of VHS. Because when I was a kid, I used to watch the same small collection of films over and over because they're things my dad had recorded off the telly and often, you know, missed the first 20 minutes or something. And so there's entire sections that are alien to me in films I think I know and love. You know, like the Santa Claus the movie, just to pick a Christmas example, was on over Christmas. The Dudley Moore one with uh, John Lithgow as the brilliant villain. And I feel like I know every frame of that film inside out Turns out, first 20 minutes, never seen it before. Mm. Never seen it. The bit where, Santa, where where Klaus pretty much freezes to death with his wife in the snow. Just like, no, I have not seen this before. But there's films that have just been parodied so much I feel like I've seen them as well.
2: Doctor Zhivago is one that I've seen loads. It's about three hours long, isn't it, as well? Yeah, yeah. I've seen loads of bits of it and I've never sat really down and watched the whole down. thing. I think it's the same thing. Did David Lean do that? I think that's the same thing that's true of all uh, David Lean films, all his epics. He is very good, though. Doctor Vargo is 3 hours and 17 minutes long. I think I've seen the same 40 minutes of it, maybe 10 or 20 times. I've never
1: seen it. I've never seen it. I mean... It's it's the David Lean film that I still haven't watched. I haven't seen Gone with the Wind. That's I I haven't gap. either. That is that is a massive hole in Maybe our. Maybe we room. should both watch room. Gone with the Wind. It's four hours fifty or something stupid. What is it? It's That'll make
2: the silence look like a, a YouTube,
1: right like there. a cartoon before the main feature, which isn't a thing that happens anymore. But that is a reference, apparently. Um, yeah. How long is it? I want to. I want to know how long Gone with the Wind is. I'm guessing. 3 hours and 47 minutes I'm going to look what 3 hours 58 minutes oh, not bad um yeah but apparently it sort of flies by because it's just one of those films where it's not about you know in the old days they just couldn't have a new shot every 3 seconds which although exciting does lower your attention span for the film you're watching when they just Watch brilliant performances sort of on a medium wide angle with good lights. Yeah. You, your retention span is actually a lot longer. Well, talking about that, certainly sort of wide angles, I put, um, Singing in the Rain was on
2: Christmas Day. Yes. And I, I've sort of seen it ages ago, but there was just a dance routine, not Gene Kelly, by the other bloke. And it was, uh, uh, you know what I mean. It was a wide <laughs> shot, and I'm going to give him his name. it's a wide shot of him doing a dance routine. Right. And it was absolutely incredible, it was just all continuous. One shot of him running up walls, doing flips on the floor. Um, and in modern day, you would have gone, "All right, just do that bit." I mean, I would have had an asthma attack, even though I haven't <laughs> got asthma after the first two minutes of that. Yeah. Uh, Donald O'Connor is yeah, his name.
1: Yeah.
2: An incredible dance routine, but you think it's where? Yeah. Are we missing? Are we missing all? Um,
1: all of these wide shots, David, are we? Well, I think with physical things in particular, there's a a, a tendency not to hold on the shot when it would actually make it better. Mm. Um, I think dance is one of those, and then fight choreography is another. I think I've talked about it before, but Jackie Chan can't stand the modern trend for cutting on the impact, because... Although it gives it a frenetic pace to it, it means you don't actually see the impact happen, and it's a way for editors to cut around quite shoddy fights. Actually, you just put a big ow, over the top, and, and pop, ow, you know, David!
2: Ow, ah, stop hitting me! No, no, not there! That's um, my balls. Where's <laughs> that's your balls? <laughs> <laughs> oh. residue. Hey, take this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is this is tell, tell us, listeners, if this fight scene is realistic. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 the dog's licking my face. <laughs> hello, hello. Um, yeah, but uh, going back to the Jackie Chan point, he likes to show the impact from three different angles, you know, in a row. And it uh, really does work because you go, oh, cool. hi that's my karate. Is that yours? That's good. That's a pretty good karate you've got going there. Thanks, mate. Yellow yeah. belt. I did my unarmed uh, advanced unarmed combat exam uh, before Christmas. Can you kill someone now with your bare hands? No, I can exactly the opposite. I have trained my body to be entirely non-lethal because it's for stage combat. So I, I know so many moves where I don't hit you at all. <laughs> do you do the thing, the classic, where you put your hand into a fist... And you put it on someone's
2: head and they put the, you know, well, their that in the Well that is actually now
1: the... uh, quite uh, old fashioned. That's not the how hair, we do the, it. Yeah, that's not how we do pulling. the hair pull anymore. How do you do the hair pull then? It's now with a monkey's claw. You put the monk so explain to our listeners what a monkey's claw is. Well okay, you, you basically do your hands like a monkey's claw, you know, where you bend your fingers over yeah. but leaves a gap and you put it into the hair, but don't close your hands into a fist. I mean you don't have any hairs. So yeah, so try it with Buddy there. How would you do it on me if you were going to pull my scalp? Oh, I mean that's very different. I'd have to use a hook, probably, or something.
2: We actually physically put a hook into my <laughs> that's scalp. That's the only way to do it. Oh well that's a shame, but I probably wouldn't do a hair pull move with it's, on you. I suppose I it's got, got to was, be done, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I'd probably just punch you in the face, I think. <laughs> <laughs> <That's it. laughs> I was like, it's a duck. The duck just was exploded. It?
2: That would be. That's what I'd really like to see. What a duck explode! A a duck explode, <laughs> and B a fight scene where all the punches were duck sounds instead of the impact was a duck. <laughs> 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 Someone do that.
1: That would be fun.
2: I tell you what. Here's a letter. Yeah. It's from Connor. Connor L.
1: What does Connor want? You can you can do the reading today. I'm going to stroke Buddy. Okay. He's a good boy. Dear David, American Buddy In a recent episode, a listener suggested films with surprisingly good casts One that jumps to mind for me is A Time to Kill which managed, a cast, uh, managed to cast a heap of 90s Hollywood stars just at the point they became massive Matthew McConaughey, Sammy Jack, Sandra B and Spoiler Soze uh, Spoiler Soze, which I think is the uh, thingy What's his name? Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah. Are all in there. As a follow-on, can you think of awful movies with amazing casts? In my experience, they're usually interminable overhyped vanity projects. The best example being The Thin Red Line. I remember sitting in the cinema being shocked as one A-lister after another was trotted out to not advance the plot one little bit. A lot of ensemble pieces like Valentine's Day fall squarely into this category. It can also happen when a director gets massive very quickly. Stars want to jump on the bandwagon and the director is forced to churn out some muck in jig time. I haven't seen Guy Ritchie's mid noughties fare, but presume Revolver and, Rock and Roller fall into this category. But in fairness, he returned to form with Sherlock a few years later. Can your listeners suggest any bad films with great casts? Keep watching the films, Connor. Um...
2: This is more. I think there was there was that trend, wasn't it, in the um, <clears throat> sort of seventies and eighties of the all star casts? Yeah. When you start you had murder on the Orient Express. When you had all the, you suddenly got all these so Agatha Christie things, and you've got. Did they make great... one of those in the nineties? I think so. Yeah, with a with a cast. Um, I can't. I can't really think of bad films. I mean the. It's a good question. It is a good question. I have not got any good answers.
1: I'm trying to think. Uh, who's in movie 43? Because that is an interminable Oh, that was supposed to be the worst film. Did oh, you watch it? I've, I've watched bits of it. I turned it off, I'm afraid. It was so bad. But it's basically really good actors trying to do comedy, but where the scripts aren't good enough. So Emma Stone is in it, Richard Gere, Dennis Quaid... Um, who else is in it? Hugh Jackman, Kate Winslet. Like, really good people. And it's just bollocks. Uh, the funny people as well. Like, Anna Faris and Chris Pratt are in it. Kieran Culkin. Um, but no, do not see that. But that that's, that's something else. That's not just a bad film. That is just a bad idea. We've
2: got another email, but it's from Connor, about Rogue One... The same con has written two in one day. Wow. About cutscenes in he the Star Wars. You must be busy. All right. Well, why don't you read that? Uh, I'll just read a quick... Uh, Dear Dave, American Buddy, enjoyed your review of Rogue One and generally agreed that it achieved what it set out to do. However, for me, it is the best example yet of how video game writing has infected Hollywood. Let me explain. Uh, I'll just... Uh, um,
1: Are you not going to let him explain <laughs>
2: Okay, I don't know if it's because most sci-fi writers out there cut their teeth in writing for video games first, or if it's because Hollywood producers now know that their audience for Crash Bang Wallet films grew up on video games and probably still play them. Whatever it is, most films now feel like exposition cutscenes from modern video games. If you Google Force Unleashed Cutscenes Full, you will find an hour-long film of the exposition bits from a Star Wars game from the earliest noughties involving Darth Vader's Secret Apprentice, I actually enjoyed it, but the characters are wafer thin with no arcs to speak of and the story is mostly a case of go do this now or warnings over a com system or dodge the pillars when you fly. Rogue One, stank of this bullshit.
1: Way Connor, oh, yeah,
2: From end to end, especially the, the half hour battle scene at the finale. Every character was running to join up, join up this cable or pull down that tower again and again and again. Uh, I'll cut the bit when he goes here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I... I should uh, admit that I haven't had a console since the Super Nintendo, mainly because I can never seem to manoeuvre in 3D when I try to play games like Halo and always seem to end up stuck in a corner. corner. But I remember David saying he's a gamer, so I'll be interested in
1: his views on this. Keep watching the films in 2017. Well, thank you, Connor. It is an interesting point. I mean, yes, I am a gamer, um, and I think you're right. Simultaneously computer game style dialogue has crept into films at the same time as game dialogue has actually improved um i mean game dialogue is specifically it's going to always potentially fall into this pitfall because you are being given an objective to achieve and so someone's got to tell you it you know, And it's going to be something like infiltrate this place and kill this person or steal this thing or press this button or whatever. And to all intents and purposes, some films fall into the same thing. I mean, what else are they going to do when you've got a big, long action sequence? You need to know what's at stake. And if, uh, the Rogue One, what he's talking about. And I don't know if you've seen Rogue One okay. yet. But he's getting but upset about Rogue One. Um, it's a mission at the end, it's a military operation and so it does have definable physical goals that have nothing to do with emotions Yeah. and so there's nothing really you can do apart from we need to steal this thing from there and we need to press this button to open that thing I mean it was the same in Return of the Jedi when they've got to lower the shields so that the attack run on the Death Star can happen and all of that it's always going to feel a bit gamey but I don't, I don't know, I, I, I didn't have a problem with it in Rogue One. I, I know what Connor's saying, it is a bit like that, but it was a mission. So I was sort of like, well it's fine that they're not hugging each other and talking about how angry they are all the time. They're just mm. fixated on the goals they've got to achieve.
2: Sometimes it's good to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Put
1: emotion to one side and get down to business. But also it's the way you plot out a film is, is with this stuff. And so bad writing will always sound like expositional stuff. Expositional linking between action sequences is the worst kind of writing in adventure films, in my opinion. And there's so many which now do seem like they're a sequence, then a scene set in a room where there's no Jeopardy anymore and they're all just standing around talking about negotiating what the goal for the next sequence should be. And for me, that's pretty dull. Stop it. Yeah.
2: Also, Connor says in one of his letters, you should ask all your listeners as a once-off to rate the show on iTunes in a big bang to raise the profile of the show. That's a good point, actually, because I think we've steadily been losing listeners over the last five years. <laughs> I don't know. Um So but- if you do
1: go to... If you do like the podcast... Why not take this week to give us a favourable rating? If you don't like the podcast, fuck off. But if you do, um, iTunes works on acceleration, not on number of likes. So if everyone did it at the same time, then we might get some more listeners and they'd start suggesting different films. So if you thought about going on iTunes and uh, rating us and writing a review, please do it this week. Because Connor says so.
2: Or, if you prefer it, this this podcast remained a very exclusive club.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't. Then don't,
2: yeah. Oh, and Keep that'll it be enough yourself. Yourself. Right.
1: letters for well, the moment. I actually uh, could have segued to the film I saw this week some time ago, but didn't because we had more of Connor's letters to read down. Okay. But it, it's another one of these old movies where they just let you watch the performances, you know, with mostly medium wine shots. And that is a film that I'd heard of but knew nothing about from 1944 called Gaslight. Now, you may have heard of this film because it stars um, Ingrid Bergman, and Joseph Cotton and Charles Boyer and it's where the term gaslighting comes from. Now, my problem here is that if you don't know what gaslighting means, it's actually a bit of a spoiler for me to tell you because it's what the film's about. Oh, no. But, basically, Ingrid Bergman, it starts with Ingrid Bergman leaving London because her aunt has been strangled in their front room. She's... uh, In London. In London. Um, She plays a young girl and... Uh, she lives with her aunt. Uh, her parents are, are dead, I think. And her aunt is murdered and it's in all the papers and she ends up... Uh, Read all
2: about it. Lady strangled in front... In lounge. Lady... Lounge. No one knows who done it. L- lounge. Is there a bit of some doing that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Is there? There's, no. Oh. Um, there's, there's the police. but And spinning headline. They've got the spinning headline. Oh, I love those. Yeah. But anyway, she ends up falling in love with a foreign whilst abroad and... Uh, after some time, uh, marries him and moves back into the old house. Where,
2: where, where, where was he? Who, where's he from? The, the bloke? I'm trying
1: to remember. Uh, he's just got a sort of foreign accent. Well, what
2: do you mean, American? No, Maryland, no, like European or, or European.
1: European. Um, I can't remember where he's from. Is it Italy, possibly? Does he speak like that? Huh? No, not really. Well, it can't be Italy then. (laughs) You're right, because that's how all the Italians do. Anyway, um, and it soon turns out there's a sinister goings-on surrounding her aunt's death. Uh Uh-oh. That might have something to do with her new husband. Oh, Oh, no. But it's a fantastic performance from uh, Ingrid Bergman and from... uh, from Charles Boyer. I've always found Ingrid Berman quite cold. Oh, well, she is. Um, she's, she's playing another quite cold fish in this. But she is very good. She won an Oscar for this one, I think. Well done, Ingrid. And it's, it's a brilliant character story. I mean, once you work out what's going on, it is almost linear. It just goes exactly where you were expecting it to go. Um, and that would be my only criticism of it that there's no real twists and turns I guessed what the truth was after about, I don't know, 20 minutes and then it's it's a 90 minute film or whatever um, but two hours in fact but it's really, really good mm. it's really good and it's a psychological thriller basically but from that time when like, everything just looks so beautiful, it's black and white who, sort of, who directed it? Uh, it's a good question, Merrick, and a question I fully intend to answer. It's George Cukor, who did My Fair Lady, uh, Philadelphia Story, A Star is Born, that okay. Daniel Ward bangs on about all the time. Um, and it's it's really excellent, but it's about uh, someone being psychologically tortured by their spouse, basically.
2: oh aye. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is that what's going on with you a little bit at home?
1: Er, uh, no. No, I don't know why. What have you heard?
2: Oh, sounds like a story. <laughs> David Reed's strangled in front room. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah. I'd be waterboarded by my dog licking my face, probably would be how I'd end up oh, getting killed. But you wouldn't
2: do that, would you?
1: He really would. Oh, dear. He's, he's a face licker. Why did you pick this film, man? Um... Just because I'd heard about it, but knew nothing about it, um, and it was—I uh, think it was on telly—so we recorded it. But it's—it's um, it's one of those where I'm just like, yeah, I, I actually really enjoy films of this era. Like uh, it's got Joseph Cotton in it, who um, he—he's got such a great face. So he would be people would know him from. He is in Citizen Kane uh, and The Third Man. So two of the most consistently highly rated films of all time mm. he, and he's the lead in The Third Man he's uh, he's the guy looking for Harry Lyme but uh, whose name I forget but um, he plays a policeman who has an inkling he knows what's going on he's got a hunch and he's, he's, he's moving on that hunch but it's great and it's a tiny little piece I think it was a play first because there's only four people in it okay. like there's the, the new husband there's Ingrid Bergman there's Joseph Cotton's character and then there's the nosy neighbour um, Miss Thwaites who lives across the road and he, she's been desperate from the time in the first scene where the police are there because someone's been strangled to get in and see the murder house because she's she's a nosy neighbor yeah. and it actually ends on a line from Miss Swate so she finally it sort of works her way into the house to see what's going on it's really good it's really good and if you like films of that era sort of the the Casablancas of this world or whatever then then watch Gaslight because it's it's excellent cool man cool uh, well, that's enough for this week, I think. If you'd like to write to us, then go to Fan... correct? Go to FilmFandango.com and fill out the form there. And also, we do all of this for free. So, if you would like us to continue doing it, um, as we've uh, been doing it for quite a few years now, then please go to FilmFandango.com and click the donate button. And everyone who's done that, thank you very much. Yes, thank
2: you very much. Very kind. Thank you. Please help us. Thank you
1: and rate us on iTunes this oh, that's week. a new
2: thing to say isn't it yeah rate us on iTunes I listen to other podcasts and they always bang
1: on about that those dicks yeah mm. well we'll be back next week keep, keep watching, watching the films, films.